Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another episode of Here We Go, the Steelers Show. I am Brian Anthony Davis from Steel Curtain Network, a part of Fans First Sports Network. And alongside me today is my very good friend, KT Smith. Kevin, what is going on? Mr. Davis, great to be with you again on a beautiful Friday here in the month of June. Very excited to wind down school, get some summer vacation, start talking some Steelers. Yeah, I got to tell you, I, I cannot believe that we're in the sixth month already. So in another 28 days, we're going to be at the midway part of the year, and we're really going to be talking about training camp. So Steeler football is not that far away. Not that I want to wish the summer away, because I don't. This is my favorite time of year, of course. But I've got to say, I can't believe it. Yeah, and uh, I feel as though we were just talking about the draft. And now, like you said, in a blink of the eye, we'll be talking about training camp. It's it's crazy how fast everything goes. I'm trying to slow it down. I'm failing at that. I don't seem to be able to, <laughs> to slow time down. But uh, But it's all exciting. When we were kids, we were trying to speed it up. Now we are trying to slow it down. I agree with you. So let's go ahead and take a look at this. The rookies. There are seven drafted Steelers, and there are a handful of free agents right now, undrafted free agents, that we could talk about as some, some to have an eye on. You'll hear a few shows this weekend. If you listen to the preview last night, Dave Schofield, Jeff Hartman, and I, we broke down the entire camp battle situation who we think are going to be very good battles. We talked about the corners and we talked about the rookie corners, and we're going to do that now in a different way. We also talked about the defensive line, which has a rookie on it, the offensive line that has a rookie on it, and the running back situation that has an undrafted free agent in it vying for a spot with, I would I would probably say Anthony McFarland for that third spot. So there's some people to talk about here. We are going to get through all of that this morning. That is our goal, and we are glad to have you along with us. Remember, Steel Curtain Network for all your Pittsburgh Steeler needs. If you did not get a chance to check out the preview that I just mentioned, go ahead back and check it out wherever you download your favorite podcast. Also, a great episode of Let's Ride was this morning with Jeremy Betts joining Jeff Hartman on our signature show. And yesterday, another great episode of the stat geek and what Ian's talking about. So let's get into it, Kevin. A lot of talk around a certain rookie. He was the number one draft pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers traded up three spots to get Broderick Jones. And the reason there's a lot of talk because the Jets are trying to deny that they even wanted this guy and that they really had Michael Mayer or Will McDonald that high up on their board. I think that's a bunch of hooey. What are you thinking about that? Did they really want Broderick Jones or, and are they just really trying to go ahead and tell the NFL world that Bill Belichick did not get the best of them? I think the draft can make liars out of the most pious individuals you've ever met. So I would not for a moment believe that the Jets wanted to, draft an edge rusher who they probably could have traded down to get over a guy who's going to protect the the new franchise quarterbacks blindside. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers has any pull in New York, which I believe that he does, I can't believe for a heartbeat that he would have been cool with taking Will McDonald over 
Broderick Jones. So no, I don't put any stock in that. Uh, what I do put some stock in is uh, some of the reports that you hear coming out of training camp about Broderick Jones. It's it's interesting to hear that the Steelers have already kicked Dan Moore Jr. over to right tackle at times uh, to give Broderick Jones reps with the ones at left tackle. Now they're not they're not doing that right now out of the gate when they when they line up in their <laughs> essentially what is a walkthrough. They're still putting Dan Moore at left tackle and Chooks Okora for at right tackle. But there are lots of reports about how Moore is getting a, a decent number of reps with the ones at left tackle. Moore's kicking over to right tackle, and you're getting a little bit of a of a Moore Okora for battle there. Again, battle is to be taken with a grain of salt because we're just doing glorified walkthroughs at this point. But it certainly is an indicator of what the Steelers have in mind. And so you really look for a scenario during training camp where it could be, if not week one, probably early in the season where whoever wins that battle between Moore and Okorafor will wind up being the right tackle when Jones is ready to go into the left tackle. So it doesn't seem a question of if with Broderick Jones. It just seems a question of when. So we talked about this last night on the preview. We talked about the battle here and the battle was more about the right tackle position because it seems like even though it's not, it might not be week one, it is probably going to be Dan Moore on the depth chart at number one at left tackle to get started before you get to training camp. But are, could this be a Kenny Pickett type situation that they don't, that they want to avoid. And the reason I'm saying that is because even though quarterbacks and left tackles completely different position. The question is, we talked about this when Kenny Pickett came in in week four and started for the first time in week five, he was just trying to adjust to the speed of the game. And are they trying, do you think they'll try to start Broderick Jones a lot quicker to have him adjust to the speed of the game? So he's not doing it on the fly. Well, I think a lot of it is going to depend on how comfortable they are with Broderick Jones in pass protection. I think that learning the nuances of being a, a, a pass protector in the NFL is a little more difficult than learning to run block. Run block's a lot more aggressive. And in pass protection, you're going to have to learn communication with your teammates and the nuances of some of the more experienced edge rushers in the NFL. When you look at the Steelers' schedule, my gosh, the first three weeks, you got coming out of the gate San Francisco, which means uh, Nick Bosa. You've got Cleveland, which means Miles Garrett. Uh, and you've got Vegas, which means Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. And, and Vegas just drafted uh, a, a, an edge rusher with their, their top pick. So you're going to see some of the best pass rushers in the NFL the first three weeks. And if the Steelers don't feel as though Jones is ready from a from a protection standpoint. It wouldn't shock me at all to see Moore start at the left tackle, Corfor at the right tackle. And then, like you mentioned, the Kenny Pickett situation, the Steelers inserted Pickett early in the lineup last year. I think in an ideal world, the plan would have been to wait to the bye week. You look at the Steelers schedule, they get that bye week pretty early this year after their fifth game. And you may see that a time where they feel like they're ready to make the switch where now granted Moore wasn't great in pass protection last year, but he certainly has 
30 some starts under his belt and they may feel more comfortable with him at left tackle out of the gate uh, over Jones. And then you get to that buy after week five and you see them make the switch. That would, if I had to bet on what the plan, how it will unfold, that would be my bet. Is Jones talented enough to be a Marquise Pouncey type player to go ahead and insert in week one? Um, he's uh, talented. Absolutely. But I don't think talent's the issue. I think the issue is experience. Remember Jones only started one year at Georgia. He's only 21 years old. He's a kid and he's going to have to, to grow into the job and do the Steelers want him growing into the job under fire week one, when they've got a guy who's already made 30 some NFL starts uh, at the, at the position right now. And that'll be the question that they have to answer. So so I don't expect to see him as the week one starter. If he is, I think that's great because I don't think that's a reflection on Dan Moore at all. They, they know what they have in Dan Moore. The question is how accelerated is Broderick Jones? How, how far along is he in terms of his growth? Now, one of the things that he's got working in his favor when we talk about dealing with edge rushers is that he's going to get all training camp to practice against two of the best in the NFL when he gets to go up against T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith, and even a, an experienced veteran like Marcus Golden, he's going to really see guys who know their craft, and he's going to get to work against some people who are going to show him just about every move in the book. And that should bode well for him. So if he can learn quickly, maybe he'll be the week one guy. But I don't expect him to be. I'd say being in the SEC as well, even if it was just one year, you're getting some very good – pass rushers coming at you yeah we were talking about that uh last week as to why do the Steelers draft so many Big Ten and SEC guys because those are pro style defenses and they see NFL ready defenders so absolutely that's going to work in his favor one more question about Broderick Jones and we're going to talk about this when we talk about some other players what kind of buzz have you heard from the veterans and the other Steelers or the coaching staff about Broderick Jones early? Has there been any? Oh, absolutely. Just first of all, everybody remarks on his physical size, but how uh, how well he moves at that size. I think that that's one thing when you look at at the Steelers, what they're trying to do with their offensive line is they, they want to be as big and physical as they can be in, inside the guards and centers. And then they're, what they're doing on the edge is they're trying to create uh, length and athleticism because they want, they want to make sure, like that Pat Meyer philosophy, the guards and centers set the depth of the pocket in pass protection, meaning they want to make sure that there's no push so, so the quarterback doesn't have clutter in his face. And the tackles set the width of the pocket, which means they got to run those edge rushers up the field so that they can't collapse uh, on the edges. And to do that, they want they want length and they want athleticism. And Jones certainly fits that profile. And everything you hear from OTAs is just about that. That that's that's who he is, man. He's long, he's big, he's athletic. And I think that they obviously have got somebody who fits perfectly what they want to do. And when you win over your veteran teammates right away, and we're going to talk about that with some other guys here too, that is a very positive thing, Kevin. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one thing that will be a theme as we go when we check, when we talk about these guys is that every one of these guys seems to be getting lauded for their focus and their professionalism and their approach. You don't hear anything about, about guys. Well, it, sometimes you have to read between the lines on quotes because coaches don't like to throw 
players under the playbook, especially when it's May and June. But you'll hear you know them say things like, oh, it's going to take them a while to get acclimated. And sometimes that means this guy's got a ton of learning to do, or maybe this guy is, is not picking up things as quickly as you might hope. But you don't hear any of that. You hear the opposite about how prepared all these players are. So we're going to go ahead and talk about a pair of rookies at the same position and how that might actually be a camp battle as well. When we come back here on Here We Go, the Steelers show, stick around. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. The worst looking man you've ever seen. There I am on the subway train. Back we are. It is Here We Go, the Steelers show. I'm Brian. This is KT. And this is Here We Go, like I just said, on Fans First Sports Network, a part of the Steel Curtain Network. Actually, opposite of that let me go ahead and turn that around steel curtain network is a part of fans first network and we're very proud to be all a part of that as it is getting up and growing every single day so kevin let's go ahead and talk about more rookies and it's a pair of rookies and it's actually a camp battle what what do you actually say that there's a battle between Corey trice jr and joey porter jr for just a position on the depth chart, even though it might not even be a starting position, but just for next man up at that position. That's interesting because the reports on Corey Trice have oh, been right. Exactly. Amazing. Yeah. That first of all, the physical similarities between Porter and Trice are striking. We were just talking before the break about, the Steelers having a prototype at offensive tackle length and width and athleticism. And they're doing the same with the corners. They want long corners. You can, you can absolutely see how they are trending towards being a more physical team in terms of their coverage style. They're going to be more aggressive. They're going to be more man oriented and they want, they want long corners who can run and Trice and Porter both fit that mold. But I was, I was reading, uh, I think it was Mark Cabali from the athletic, it was just kind of doing a daily OTA report and everybody was raving about Corey Trice. I think he had, he had three, three pass breakups and a, and a interception in uh, the, the practice the other day. And again, we, we always qualify it by saying football in shorts, but still there's something to that. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're in shorts or not when you're playing corner, because so much of that, <clears throat> excuse me, so much of that is uh, the, you know, the athleticism and what they're doing in shorts resembles what they're doing in full pads, the reads, the breaks, those types of things. And, you know, when you look at the pads that corners wear, they're barely wearing pads to begin with. They, they don't, they don't wear any, any lowers. There's no knee pads they They don't, they barely have on hip pads. So it, what the corners are doing right now is not that dissimilar from what they'll be doing on Sundays. And to hear people talk about how far along Corey Trice is, 
is so exciting. It almost, I'm not trying to, no disrespect to Joey Porter Jr. because everybody says that he's a hard worker and looks great too. But it almost makes you forget that Porter's the the star of the cornerback class, not Trice. DeMonte KZ was really on fire when he was talking about Trice. He was the one who brought, brought up the three-pass breakups as well with, I guess, in the interview with Kabali. So he brought that up and the pick, and he was really uh, glowing when he was talking about Corey Trice Jr. But like you said about Joey Porter Jr., is that kind of an indictment on his play, or should anybody be worried about that? I'm not, but could that be bad for a development of JPJ? No, I don't think so at all. I think there's a tendency to, to compare guys, and these two guys will probably – be compared because they came in at the same position in the same class. But just because one person is surprising people in a good way, doesn't mean that somebody else is disappointing them uh, or is not living up to his billing. So I think the thing that I like about uh, what I'm reading with Porter is that he and Patrick Peterson seem to be attached to the hip. And I think that that's a great sign. If if I'm Joey Porter, that's a hundred percent what I'm going to do. I'm going to find the most experienced, knowledgeable guy that I can find. And I'm going to pick his brain and study his habits and learn everything I possibly can from him. And you hear, you hear some of that coming out about Porter and Peterson. There's been indication as well that uh, Porter and Trice are tight already as well. So that's, that's going to be great. If you have a cohesive unit back there, I, you know, even though they didn't exactly play the same position, you always, thought of a tightness between Carnell Lake and Rod Woodson back in the nineties. And there have been a lot of guys that, that you felt that, that were really in tune with each other. I mean, just recently you felt like Minka Fitzpatrick and Joe Hayden, and then Minka Fitzpatrick and Terrell Edmonds were really tight. And I think that makes a secondary so much better. Oh yeah. I always felt that way about Troy Polamalu and Ryan Clark. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> that those two, yeah, that, that, that essentially Troy Polamalu could do a lot of the things he did because Ryan Clark understood his style of play and how that defense would work with him, et cetera. Yeah. And if the Steelers can get to that, they have two really cerebral safeties in Fitzpatrick and Kazee, two guys who understand coverage and disguise and all those types of things. And if they can coordinate with those young corners, then obviously that's going to make the Steelers secondary so much better. So again, early, 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 but the reports about the growth of those two corners uh, are really exciting. I want to take a sidebar for a second to demonstrate how tight Troy Palomalu and Ryan Clark were. The infamous situation of when Antonio Brown got his contract extension, came out on the field and started yapping that second and going after Dick LeBeau. And Palomalu basically put a bounty on him in practice and wanted to go after him, which you don't think of when you think of Troy Palomalu. And Ryan Clark stepped in to Palomalu and said, no, let me take him out. Because if you lose me for a couple games, if I get suspended, it's okay. If you get suspended, the team's done. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a hockey mindset. You know, yeah, that yeah. sounds like you'd hear you'd hear that report in, with a hockey team. But yep, <laughs> they hire goons for that in hockey. Yeah, that was back. That was back in the day too, where you you probably could take a guy out at practice. You know, I don't know if I take him out, we don't mean cheaply, but we would just mean like you could you could level a dude at practice, and it would be illegal. Who, who Minka and, and Claypool just a, a couple years ago, two years ago when Minka beat the 
beat the living daylights out of Claypool from what accounts were from two years ago. Yeah. I was talking to a NFL coach the other day, and he was just saying that the biggest issue that that teams face defensively these days are all the rules and limitations that have been put in place by the latest collective bargaining agreement on contact at practice. And he's just saying that like teaching tackling and not, not just individual tackling, but team tackling, spatial awareness, these types of things has gotten so much harder since the CBA because you just can't hit at practice anymore. So different game for sure. Let's get back to Trice and Porter. Do you think one of these guys could be a starter right away? No, I don't. I don't think that they will be. I think that the Steelers recognize in Peterson and Levi Wallace that they've got two experienced veterans. And again, you're facing a San Francisco offense coming out of the gate that is notoriously complicated and that puts a lot of pressure on the edges. The 49ers will formation the heck out of teams to get them into advantageous situations. And one thing that they do really, really well is they shift and they motion to find a weakness. So they're a big outside zone team, which means that uh, the corners are going to have to set the edge, which means in simple terms, the corners have to come up and be aggressive run defenders, and they're going to have to take on tight ends or fullbacks. San Francisco still uses a fullback. Long story short, I think the Steelers want experienced guys in those roles and guys that have been through those types of, of uh, situations because San Francisco is so well coached that they'll do a great job exploiting any weakness if, if those corners get overly aggressive against the run, they'll play action them. If those corners aren't ready to tackle, they'll get Debo Samuel matched up against him in space and tackling him is a bit of a nightmare or George Kittle. They've just got too many weapons and too much experience, no matter who's at quarterback for that team, for the Steelers to be trotting trotting rookie quarter corners out there. So I think that you'll see Trice and Peterson worked into the lineup, but not as day one starters. Another duo from this draft class that are very tight because they played together at Wisconsin. They fished together. In fact, Keanu Benton is always fishing according to one Nick Herbig. And so they are getting a chance. And if anybody is starter ready for this 2023 Steeler team, or actually has a situation to go ahead and start because position he plays might be Keanu Benton. What are your thoughts about that? He does in the base three, four, the Steelers aren't 100% settled on that third lineman. Everybody knows that when they're in their 2-4-5 sub package, that the two down linemen, provided that they're healthy, are going to be Cam Hayward and Larry Ogunjobi. But when they go to the base 3-4, DeMarvin Leal has not locked down that third spot. I don't think that they, they've seen enough of all the other guys, Montrevious Adams and uh, Loudermilk and I mean, I know you got a couple of new signings up front, a couple of free agent signings, but I think that Benton's got a shot. It feels as though that when the Steelers go base 3-4, that that third starting position, predominantly the nose tackle position, the one technique, is up for grabs, and, and yeah, Benton's got a shot there. Did Nick, did Nick Herbig get a big gift that might not seem like one when Marcus Golden was signed because he could ease into the situation so much more as an edge rusher and not have to be the number three just like that? A hundred percent. That absolutely gives the Steelers the flexibility to do two things. One, bring him along slowly, 
Uh, and two, if they want, they can kick him inside. There's the Steelers have not. If there's if there's one hole left on this roster, and we know how meticulous Omar Khan's been about rounding out the roster and filling in all the little depth pieces, et cetera. If there's one area I think that most Steeler fans still have a little bit of a question mark about, it's the inside linebacker depth because you got the three guys, Holcomb and Roberts and Mark Robinson, but not much behind them. And there's still questions about, you know, Mark Robinson's only got 40 some reps at linebacker in his NFL career. Roberts and Holcomb are new to the system. Are the Steelers good enough at inside backer? And I still expect them to, to, add a veteran before all is said and done. But if they don't, they could kick Nick Herbig inside. He's got experience on both the inside and outside. Uh, so, so that's a possibility as well. So they, they bought themselves experience uh, and a, and a veteran to be the number three outside backer. And they bought themselves flexibility and time with Herbig. What are we hearing about Darnell Washington? We, we know the size and everybody's going to marvel about his size, but what about his hands? What about his play? Matchup nightmare. That's what you keep hearing about Darnell Washington. He's going to be a matchup nightmare. Uh, he he was talking about the other day how he sees his role in the offense as being one that varies week to week, depending on who the opponent is, where the weaknesses in the defense might be. How can they best use Washington to create matchups? The NFL is a matchup league. It's so much of it is about getting my best guys on your worst guys or 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 on at least into an area where you have some vulnerabilities. And I think that Washington is the perfect tool in that scenario. And he's already talked about it, about how the Steelers see him as a guy who they're going to use to try to create matchup advantages for the offense. So the thing you're hearing right out, out of the gate about him is how athletic he is for his size uh, and how the Steelers are really going to be able to kind of get into the mad scientist mode and really use him however they want in order to create matchup advantages. I haven't heard a whole lot about Spencer Anderson in minicamp as well, excuse me, OTAs as well. So is there anything quickly on Anderson? I have not heard a peep on him and that's probably a good thing because it just simply means that he's where a sixth round offensive lineman should be, which means learning uh, and, He's not a guy who's really expected to be in the rotation. It'll be a struggle for him to make the roster with the depth that the Steelers have at, uh, on the interior of their line. So he, I think probably the best case scenario for him is that he, he winds up a practice squad guy. So we shouldn't hear much about him. And I, so I think that's fine with where he is right now. And finally, there's an undrafted free agent that came in to rookie minicamp. He got a deal. Alfonso Graham from the HBCU. I, I feel like this guy has some special attributes to him. And I, I feel that he could really, you know, seize that third running back spot like Jalen Warren did last year. And actually Jalen Warren moved into the second, just like, just like that because of the way he played in camp and in preseason games. Any thoughts about Graham? Yeah, I think it's a, you mentioned it earlier in the show. I think it's a battle between Graham and Anthony McFarland for, for that role. And that role will be one of uh, perhaps a third down back at times when the, if the Steelers want to go to a quick package where they just get a little bit more shiftiness on the field, uh, then that's, they'll have to make a decision on McFarland or Graham. I was really impressed with McFarland in the limited reps that I saw of him last year. 
And if he continues to grow, I think Graham's going to have a hard time unseating him. But you mentioned Warren. We never know with those running backs. So we'll see on Graham. Absolutely. Uh, undrafted free agent running backs probably have some of the best opportunities to get jobs in the entire NFL. Speaking of undrafted run, rookie running back, for our undrafted free agent rookie running backs, I, I don't. I think I know he's a long shot, but I would think just about every Steelers fan is rooting for Monty Potterbaum to make the roster because if you have a fullback named Monty Potterbaum from Iowa, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, I I can only think that good things are going to happen. Well, you know what? They love the mullet, but there's another fullback that I'm looking at as an undrafted free, and I just became aware of him. It's Paul Levesque, and he has uh, long blonde hair as well, but. The thing about Paul Levesque that makes me smile is that is the name of, from the WWE, Triple H. Hunter Hearst Helmsley is also a Paul Levesque. So very powerful in the WWE as he is the, uh, he's running the show now. So when I thought about him, I'm thinking about it's time to play the game. Yeah, Triple H is way more badass than Paul Levesque. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It's time to get on out of here, Kevin. We're going to go ahead and forego due to the week unless you have somebody sterling. Real quick, can I, can I, I'm going to throw out a, a Patrick Peterson nomination because of what I was reading about what a mentor Peterson's already been to the young guys. And it really seems as though he's embraced his role uh, right now as a guy who knows he's on the back end of his career, is coming to Pittsburgh, is going to be given an opportunity maybe to, to do some things he hasn't done much of in the past, like play some safety or play some slot corner. Uh, but he also, I think, really sees himself right now as being that sort of sage old veteran uh, who has the opportunity to to help mold two young corners. And everything that you read is that he's he's been a great mentor to them. And sometimes veterans don't age gracefully, but it appears as though Peterson is embracing that role. And that's really professional. And I have a lot of respect for that. So he'd be my nominee. You know what? I was actually thinking of him as well so let's go ahead and get on out of here i think patrick peterson wow i i'm so excited about this dude so for kevin smith my name is brian anthony davis this is here we go the Steelers show from steel curtain network a part of fans first sports network we ask you to do one thing keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for those hypocycloids. Mm-hmm.